Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hope you had a good weekend. This week might not be as crazy as last week, but we can't guarantee that. It's probably going to be plenty crazy, and we've got plenty to start with this week. Glad you're with us on the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We're brought to you today by Stamps.com. Three Martini Lunch listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. You can find out a whole lot more at Stamps.com with the keyword Three Martini, and we'll have a lot more to say about it a little bit later in the podcast. So, Jim, normal format today. We have good, bad, and crazy. And uh, we start with the good. And the good is that somebody is finally paying attention to the actual record that Pete Buttigieg uh, piled up as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I mean, it's really the only political experience he has the 300th largest city in America, is, uh, he led it for eight years, and that's his basis for running for president. And for some reason, we've gone months and months without really having to talk about it. And oftentimes, when he does get asked about it, uh, we get a word salad without getting very specific. Well, Lindsey Davis of ABC News, during the Friday night debate, uh, decided to do her homework, which is always a good thing for moderators to do, but a lot of them don't end up doing it. She did. And she uh, asked this question of Pete Buttigieg. And by the time she was done asking the question, there wasn't a whole lot for him to say, but it didn't stop him from trying. Mayor Buttigieg, under your leadership as mayor, a black resident in South Bend, Indiana, was four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than a white resident. Now, that racial disparity is higher than the rest of the state. In fact, it's higher than the rest of the nation. And that disparity increased in South Bend after you took office. When talking about the problem on national terms, you've called it, quote, evidence of systemic racism. But you were mayor for eight years, so weren't you, in effect, the head of the system? And how do you explain that increase in black arrests under your leadership? Well, the reality is, on my watch, drug arrests in South Bend were lower than the national average. So then he went and talked about how we all need to come together to talk about uh, making sure there's not systemic racism. But Lindsay Davis didn't really get an answer to her question, so she tried again. Right. Let me go back to the original question, though. How do you explain the increase in black arrests in South Bend under your leadership for marijuana possession? And again, the overall rate was lower. No, there was an increase. The year before you were in office, it was lower. Once you became in office in 2012, that number went up. In 2018, the last number year that we have a record for, that number was still up. And one of the strategies that our community adopted was to target when there were cases where there was gun violence and gang violence, which was uh, slaughtering so many in our community. Oh, Jim, that's such a great politician moment where here's my talking point. Yeah, I did the homework. Your talking point's wrong. It's still exactly what I said it was. And Buttigieg's answer is, yeah. So anyway, back to my talking point. And so uh, he went on to say that he... uh, you know, made a concerted effort to only go after drug crimes when there were other violent crimes being conducted. 
And let me tell you, from what I saw on Twitter, uh, the people who are, uh, I don't know if they're Bernie bros or what they are, but the idea of arresting black people to protect black people didn't go over very well. So uh, what did you uh, make of that moment? You know, one of the better exchanges with a questioner uh, that we've seen in this uh, in this democratic cycle. I think one of the things that was, you know, it's such a refreshing change after the last debate where Bernie Sanders gave this vehement denial that he had said that a woman couldn't beat Donald Trump. And then the questioner, almost seeming to not listen, said, you know, uh, Senator Warren, how did you feel when he said it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> because in this one, yeah, it, the problem is that almost every candidate at one point or another gets hit with some question. And will attempt to do that sort of word salad two-step. Now, admittedly, the candidates, a lot of these issues can get complicated. They only have anywhere from, you know, 45 seconds to a minute to answer. You could argue that they need more time or deserve more time. But they know that with that time limit, that all they have to do is kind of, you know, here's, you know, I'm glad you asked me about that because that's a really important issue and one that I really focused on during my time as mayor. You see, this issue is related to that issue, which I would much rather talk about. And I'm going to recite some facts related to that second issue. And oh, my time is up. <laughs> you know, it's it is a matter of filling time and and sounding. You know, somebody made this observation that a lot of Pete Buttigieg's answers sound like they are answering the question, but really aren't. I think that's that kind of the McKin- McKinsey or at, at Harvard, Oxford, they must train you in that. The order of these sentences doesn't really matter. You just assemble them all and you're bouncing along and you answer like you have a really perfectly confident you know, uh, answer for the question that's been put out there. And before you know it, the time has been filled up and they have to move on to the next one. And they did move on to the next one. It was great. In fact, when she did move on, she basically said to, you know, uh, basically this, you know, an absolute layup. I don't know if you want to call it an alley-oop, but if you want to call it like, you know, the setup for a spike in volleyball whatever metaphor you prefer, which basically, Senator Warren, was that a satisfactory answer? And surprise, surprise, Warren said no, as if she was, you know, correcting some student who hadn't done the homework. But again, like, you know, there are one of two options when you get front in front of with that. And, and Buttigieg generally went towards that second one. Ideally, you go full Colonel Jessup from a few good men. You say, you're damn right I did that. <laughs> I did that because gun violence was out of control in my community, and this is how we did it. We went after the gangs, and if that meant busting gang members on marijuana possession, that's what I did. I didn't care about racial disparity because I was trying to save lives. Like that, that's the best answer you can give to that. At least puts the questioner or anybody doubting you on this policy on the defensive to say, hey, I was doing the right thing because I was trying to you know, protect people. When you give this kind of mealy-mouthed you know, word salad, you don't really convince anybody. And he did have something of a deer-in-the-headlights look on that answer. And that was one of the big buzz, you know, one of the big things that came out of the Friday night debate. And I got to tell you, Greg, it would have been a really big deal in this uh, primary in New Hampshire if anyone was watching. <laughs> yeah, the numbers for the debates have not been great. Uh, the first couple when we had... Two consecutive nights of two and sometimes three hours. I know you remember those fondly. Combined got some pretty good numbers. But uh, even combined, they still didn't get to where the Republicans uh, did with that first one in 2015 when everyone tuned in to see what Trump would be all about. But uh, in the end, a couple of candidates uh, stood out. I thought Klobuchar did well. And a couple of candidates just mailed it in with their usual performance, whether it was uh, Warren. uh, Biden was loud a lot. Uh, but uh, ultimately was still stumbling around a lot. But uh, if you need to mail it in, uh, stamps.com is the way to go. You knew that's where I was going with that. Uh, you can uh, you can go to stamps.com and not only make it more convenient, yeah, you'll, it'll be cheaper for you because postal rates have gone up again. But thankfully, stamps.com eases that pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. 
Because with Stamps.com, you save five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. Now, when you send out a lot of letters, that adds up. And especially it does for small businesses and then when you start getting to packages for your business. Plus, Stamps.com is completely online, which saves you time. No more inconvenient trips to the post office. Even more, Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. So whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle all of it with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's just that simple. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money too. With Stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates that you can't even get at the post office. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. There's no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. And it's absolutely no wonder that more than 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. What's not to love? Right now, three Martini Lunch listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in three Martini. That's Stamps.com. Enter three Martini and start saving today. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad Martini now. And the topic is China. There's lots of reasons China could be the bad martini. We see massive cities essentially under uh, universal quarantines. We see these mysterious spray machines roaming the streets as it all relates to the coronavirus, which makes a lot of people believe it's way worse over there than they're actually reporting. But uh, until we get actual numbers, it's hard to say for sure. But today we're also learning that China, and we're not meaning just random people in China, but the Chinese government were behind perhaps the biggest breach of American data in history. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Four members of China's military have been indicted by the U.S. government on charges of hacking into the credit reporting agency Equifax Incorporated and plundering sensitive data on nearly 150 million Americans, according to the Justice Department. A federal grand jury in Atlanta returned a nine-count indictment last week that accused members of of China's People's Liberation Army of conspiring to steal reams of data as part of a sophisticated hacking operation that exploited a major vulnerability in the software used by Equifax's online dispute portal. So... Officially, it's about 145 and a half million Americans. Uh, if they want to round up to 150, that's fine with me. But, Jim, we know the Chinese were behind the uh, OPM hack that uh, compromised a lot of folks who are either in or have even applied for government positions here. Now we've got the Equifax situation. Uh, obviously, China is uh, hostile in a number of ways, and now we're supposedly supposed to trust them on coronavirus and everything else. It's just another reminder that while uh, we're trying to find common ground with China on trade and everything else, uh, China's looking for any way possible to weaken us. Yeah, and you really do have to feel like we're reaching some sort of critical mass here. Uh, I think back to the debates of the, I was going to say early 1990s, but I guess this was probably Clinton's first term when, you know, every year you had to... uh, Congress had to authorize, uh, you know, a a trade status for China. And then the vote was on permanent normal trade relations with China. PNTR, I believe it was. 
And it was this big decision. But the argument by a whole bunch of congressional Republicans and certainly by the Clinton administration was, look, this is a key step to making greater engagement. It can only work well for us. It can only make us both stronger. It will eventually start affecting China and its views on human rights and its values. And kind of in the heart in that idea is if you're going to give a country normal trade relations or normal trade status, Greg, they have to be a normal country. No one worries about our trades. Well, maybe, you know, a couple of people do it. We don't worry that much about our trade interactions with Europe. We don't worry that much about our interactions with uh, South America, Korea, you know, most Asian you know, countries that are reasonably fair, reasonably free and not always targeting us. People don't worry about trade as much with them. Now we can argue about, you know, labor standards or environmental standards or things like that. But again, the question is, why would you have not just a, a significant amount of trade, but actually becoming the largest trading partner with a country that clearly, if they don't hate us, they certainly see us as enemy. They see us as someone to be undermined. They need to cut the rug out from under us every single chance they get. And this is, you know, just one more example of this. There were people who were doubting whether this was a good idea all along, and they should have been heeded. They should have been listened to. Uh, the lead item in today's Morning Jolt newsletter is all about how much of the U.S. supply chain for our, for our health care goes through China. It's not a ton, but it's a significant chunk. And obviously, if it's your medicine that comes through China or your particular kind of medical device that you need, um, the idea of a disruption to the supply chain because of the coronavirus sounds really ominous right now. Now, can U.S. manufacturers get up to speed and start being able to make it? Probably. Everybody's a little vague on that right now, which is kind of unnerving. But the question then becomes, why would we choose to do it this way? Why would we want to be dependent upon China for anything? And um, I think that's a tough question that we need to be asking more often. And things like these sorts of hacks only exacerbate the argument that there's no real need. For, we need to minimize our interactions with China, not maximize them. Not our friends. They're as friendly as they need to be to get what they want. All right, well, let's talk about some more good news, and that's Four Patriots, where you can find them at fourpatriots.com slash martini and find all the great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. As we always say with Four Patriots, you need to be prepared because you just don't know when the power is going to go out. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. comes with 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4Patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com slash martini. That's 4Patriots.com slash martini. Jim, let's move on to our crazy martini now. And as everyone knows by now, Joe Biden finished fourth in Iowa. It's debatable who actually won, but we know Joe Biden finished in fourth. Uh, so he's also looking like he's going to finish in fourth and potentially a distant fourth in New Hampshire. He says he's in it for the long haul. Obviously, the states look a little more favorable to him as we get on to Nevada and South Carolina and Super Tuesday. But uh, he even admitted in the debate he's going to take a hit in New Hampshire, which is not exactly the best way to set yourself up for uh, success. But if you're looking to manage expectations, maybe it is. But over the weekend, uh, Joe Biden was being Joe Biden in a number of different ways. And we've talked about how he's looked often like he's lost his fastball in this campaign, Jim. And a couple more examples of this. Uh, first of all, there was this uh, college student 
who giggled a lot through her question, but then eventually asked Biden why people should vote for him when he did so poorly in Iowa. And here's how that went. How do you explain the performance in Iowa and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, people laughed at that, Jim, so maybe he meant it in jest. A lying dog-faced pony soldier, I'm sure, was pretty funny back in 1947, but I'm not sure exactly what it means now. I'm sure our listeners can let us know. Uh, then later on, he was talking about the, the Second Amendment, uh, decided to bring up a quote, which he didn't attribute. It's actually from Thomas Jefferson, and uh, then Biden decided to go into his best Eric Swalwell impression. Now, and by the way, those who say the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots, a great line. Well, guess what? The fact is, if you're going to take on the government, you need an F-15 with Hellfire missiles. There's no way an AK-47 is going to take care of you if, the, if you're going to take on, you're worried about the government coming down, knocking down your door. And so it's bizarre. We never said you, you could own any weapon at all from the beginning. You can't own a machine gun. You can't own a bazooka. You can't own an M1 tank, no matter how much money you have. So, Jim, to quote Biden, let's get to the flact of the matter here. What do you uh, make of uh, his latest uh, appearances in New Hampshire? And and are the wheels truly coming off at this point? Yeah, just because it was so distinctive in that little snippet of audio there, Greg. So several times during the Friday night debate, Biden kind of mushed his words together. And every once in a while, I would, I would I was on Twitter and I'm watching and I would do it. And people are like, how dare you make fun of Joe Biden's stutter? Now, it wasn't a stutter. Right? He wasn't having a hard time getting the words out. It wasn't, you know, like we, we, we've all seen somebody with stutter. And the other thing is we've all seen Joe Biden give speeches for years and years and years, decades. This isn't the Joe Biden we're used to. I, I, you know, I hope he is well. I hope he is mentally, physically, everything is 100% uh, for a 77-year-old man. But look, we all know what Joe Biden looks and sounds like. He, he looks kind of pale. Uh, I don't know whether the makeup just wasn't right that evening. Um, and he's just not coming across like he's communicating the way we're used to seeing him communicate. And I, 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 you know, I don't really do this to say neener, neener, neener. Just like, is, is Biden okay? Um, so it's also very visible in those, you know, that, that snippet you just played there. There's always a moment in campaigns where the, the truth starts dawning on them, that they're not likely to win, that things don't look good. As John McCain used to say, it's always darkest right before it gets completely black. Because um, <laughs> everyone's expecting him to say it's darkest before the dawn. And you see the candidate kind of get liberated. It's like, well, you know, you, you don't have to worry about losing it anymore because you're probably going to lose. And they kind of just let rip. They just kind of say, all right, I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to lose either way, by golly, I'm going to let it all out. I'm just going to say exactly what I think and let the chips fall where they may. Um, and and it, they, there generally is this freeing sense. And I'm thinking back all the way to 1996, Bob Dole. Everybody kind of knew the Clinton was ahead by a you know, pretty significant margin. It was 1996, the final 96 hours of the campaign. He was going to go on this like relentless, minimal sleep, coast-to-coast, nonstop rallies. And people debate how much of an impact it had on the final vote. I believe he lost by like, what, 49% to 41%? Not a great finish, but a lot of people said, actually, that probably did help some Republican Senate, Senate races, House races, down ticket situations. So, you know, first of all, Bob Dole, thank you for that. But that thing is, on the one hand, you get this little burst of energy, this burst of excitement of, hey, nothing left to lose. Let's, let's roll the dice. But ultimately, this very rarely works out the way you think. I think we're seeing that from the Joe Biden campaign. 
they could have done okay with a not so great night in Iowa. Second place or third place was like a, a not so great night. Um, if they had had a second or third place, or even a, that fourth place finish, they had. Uh, but they had done things. Still looked okay in New Hampshire. They'd be fine. Well, things aren't looking so good in New Hampshire. When you lose the first two, all of a sudden that lead in Nevada doesn't look so solid. I mean, he's probably still got the South Carolina firewall, so to speak, but it makes a big difference if you're winning by 20 or 30 points, like he was not that long ago in the polls, to if you're ahead by five or six points in the polls. This is, this is, not, uh, this is not good for the Biden campaign. I think he kind of knows it. I think his campaign knows it. I suppose there's going to be voices saying he's got to stay until at least South Carolina, see what happens. Maybe he wins big, all that kind of stuff. But I think we can just see it in the candidate. We can see it in the campaign. They're not flush with funds. The finale for Joe Biden may be coming a lot sooner than anybody expected. Last week uh, was actually the State of the Union night. I, I watched the State of the Union on a replay because uh, Tuesday evening I went to see Created Equal, which is the documentary featuring Clarence Thomas, where he basically tells his life story. And, of course, a big part of that story is the Anita Hill hearings. And Joe Biden was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee then. And the thing that struck me was how slick and how smooth he was. There was nothing about a stutter that, that stuck out at that time now, back then as, as people are talking about it now. And I know it's almost 30 years ago, and he's, he was a much younger guy then. I don't even think he was 50 years old then. But uh, the idea that uh, he's always had this lifelong issue of spitting out its words, um, I mean, I hope he's okay, but that's just not the case. Right. Again, like, and there was, I think there was... The people who were giving me grief on Twitter were Biden fans who didn't like anybody pointing out the fact that his words were, I would almost say slurring, but it wasn't like he was drunk slurring, lest anybody jump to that conclusion. I don't think he's going out on stage soused. I don't, you know, he'd be more fun if he was. Um, The pronunciation just wasn't there. They were kind of running together. And a couple of people said, well, that can still happen with stutters and all that kind of stuff. Look, however you want to characterize it, this is not what we used to seeing or hearing from Joe Biden on the trail. And we've been watching him for a long time. And my sneaking suspicion is, Greg, if you and I are noticing it, lots of other people are noticing it. And I kind of wonder if Democrats who are voting in the primaries are starting to get the sense of, you know, this is not a guy who looks like he's ready to take on what's going to be a very tough campaign against President Trump and then go up against, uh, uh, then, you know, take on the duties of the presidency for minimum four years. The other thing which is kind of worth noting out here is that, you know, as much as you and I like to make fun of, of Bernie Sanders, you know, he's 78 years old and he's had a heart attack. And, you know, by comparison, Sanders looks like he's full of, of verve and pep and vigor and all those other words you want to put in there. You know, these other than the possibility of him killing over from a heart attack, nobody, you know, nobody's worried about Sanders and his speaking ability or anything like that. Am I wrong? No, I mean, he's he's obviously up there in age, but uh, he's able to articulate exactly what he wants to articulate. And he and he completes a thought. It seems like Biden is trying to decide between words sometimes. I don't think it's that uh, he doesn't necessarily yeah, have forgotten not, what he wants to say. He's just hasn't decided which word he wants to use. And sometimes they both come out. So and also yeah, just the judgment of I'm going to quote an old John Wayne film. <laughs> when interact like like it wasn't that mean with the, the you know you have been to a caucus you know like like he's clearly joking around but at the same time there's this tone deafness that it was you know, this, that, that's look that's something we've seen with from uh from joe biden for a very long time <laughs> <laughs> that part of him's normal that hasn't that hasn't lost anything exactly and as some folks have pointed out nobody's gone fourth place fourth place in the first two and gone on to win the nomination but uh Hey, in the last few cycles, there's a lot of things that have never happened before. So as long as he's in there, there's always a chance. We'll see how he does tomorrow. We'll probably actually know who wins tomorrow. So that'll be a nice twist. Uh, Jim, see you tomorrow. 
maybe we'll know tomorrow night. Anyway, see you tomorrow, Greg. <laughs> Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thank you for being with us today. Don't forget the amazing offer from Stamps.com. Four-week free trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitment. Stamps.com. Enter the code 3Martini. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a kind review, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.